Hey everybody, Cheryl Todd here with Gun Freedom Radio, and I am excited to be chatting with my friend today, Jim Irvine. Now, Jim Irvine is the president of Buckeye Firearms Association and Foundation, and the director with Faster Saves Lives. In that capacity, Jim educates school officials about active killer events and how we can keep our children safe. He instructs FASTER, which stands for Faculty, Administrator, Safety, Training, and Emergency Response. He instructs these classes, which include mindset, shooting fundamentals, force on force, and trauma care. He meets with school officials to help them pass resolutions and adopt sound policy for armed staff. He also works on legislative issues related to the right to keep and bear arms. Welcome to the show, Jim Irvine. Carol, it's a pleasure to be with you. Well, this is an exciting opportunity because uh, as I started here, or did I say anywhere in there that you're an airline pilot? I am. So that's yeah. your that's your day job, right? That's my day job. I do all of this other stuff as a volunteer, actually. That's incredible. I, I always honor and respect people who volunteer your, their time, and you are volunteering probably more time than you have for your day job reading this resume. <laughs> it keeps me busy, but you know what? It's energetic. It's, I, I love it because I get to work with truly world-class people, both in the training side and on the education side and in our, with legislators. So when you get to play on good teams, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. So, you know what? People usually think about airlines. You know, the day job is you're an airline pilot and guns being completely incompatible. But uh, how do you become so involved in Second Amendment firearm things when you're an airline pilot? Well, I guess it goes back to when committees were going on and we needed somebody to be there on a weekday and everybody else had jobs that worked. I work all my weekends and holidays, but I get Tuesdays and Wednesdays off. So I was able to go and I kind of came into the whole thing back door through all of that and shooting. I just, I've always had guns, but didn't do any self-defense shooting that I didn't do until I was an adult and took a, like a basic pistol class at a local gun range because I thought I should probably take one of those before I buy a handgun. And uh, it just led to another training class and another training class. And uh, 20 something years later, here I am. Here you are. So uh, being with the Buckeye Firearms Association and Foundation, now Buckeye, there's a Buckeye here in Arizona as well. So I always yep. have to clarify for my Arizona people, we're talking Ohio, right? Yes, this is Ohio, but it's funny because it's like when I fly out west, it's one of the common points, uh, even like going out to LA and stuff, we'll fly over Buckeye VOR is one of our navigational fixes we use. And it took me a long time to figure out why is Buckeye way out in the middle of Arizona? <laughs> yeah, and total side note here, but little tiny Buckeye, which is west, west, west of uh, Phoenix, Arizona, it has become the biggest growing city in the biggest growing county, in the biggest growing state in the entire nation. So uh, we're giving the Buckeye State a run for its money with our Buckeye City. So just watch out. We were... <laughs> One of these days, I'll have to stop in there and visit them. Absolutely. So um, talking about this Faster Saves Lives and this 
uh, training program that helps train school staff. There's a lot of people that when you start talking about school safety in terms of having trained immediate responders on campus, they get like this knee-jerk reaction and they just block it out and they say, well, you can't arm teachers. Uh, yeah. and, and then they have a litany of reasons why. One's expense, one is like they're one-dimensional creatures that are unable to do more than just, you know, the math teacher, all he does is teach math, he doesn't have a home right? He doesn't go grocery shopping on the weekend. He doesn't, you know, go hunting in the fall. You know, none of those things. He's just a math teacher. Um, and I think most of it is just based in ignorance, but I don't mean that in, in a derogatory way. I just mean it in like a, you know, they just don't know what they don't know. What do you right. say about all that? Well, I, I th we all have teachers or people in mind where we, we do, wouldn't want them carrying guns with our kids. Sure. And what I tell the school as superintendents and school boards is then don't authorize them to carry guns. This is not for everybody. This is only for a few people in each district. The vast majority of school staff don't want anything to do with this. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with those people. They're, they're great teachers. They're great counselors. They're great administrators and great at all of the stuff that they were hired for to do in this educational world. So let them continue in that role in excellence. But we also have a few people who are going to that scene on Evente just like Coach Feist did out, down in Parkland, Victoria Soto did in Sandy Hook. Yes. Um, Frank Hall did here in Chardon, Ohio. It just, it happens over and over again. So if we've got those people going there anyway, why don't we pre-identify them and get them the tools and skills and training so that instead of dying for our kids, they live for our kids. I think that's a better lesson for our children. So let's, let's help facilitate that. Absolutely. So talking about the FASTER program, just maybe a little bit more in detail to help people understand, um, you know, how does a person become an armed first responder uh, in this program? Because it says faculty administrator, so it could be either. You know, at one time I heard some, or didn't hear, I read somebody on Facebook made some really smarmy comment comment about, oh, you want the lunch lady to carry a gun? And I was like, whoa, could you be like any more rude ever? Because what if, you know, I was retired and I wanted to go and help out at my granddaughter's school and help serve lunch and I'm the lunch lady. I'm trained, I'm moral, I'm, you know, all those wonderful things you would want. I just happened, my day job just would happen to be a lunch lady. So you know, still that kind of stuff, uh, those kind of people that talk like that. But um, what what is the training exactly and who would qualify? Well, and the who qualifies, when we started doing this, really we trained concealed carry license holders. We trained people who are carrying a gun everywhere else during their day job, or, or ex except for their, they've carried everywhere else. Like one guy told me, look, I'm a former law enforcement officer. I maintain my accreditation. I carry a gun every place I go, except in the school to protect my kids. Mm. Well, who thinks that makes any sense? So we were training gun people, and then they were going back and asking for permission. At this point in Ohio, the program is so popular and so well known that we are training people who've never shot a gun before. The school is reaching out to their staff. They're picking staff that they like, that they trust. These are people with good judgment or are in key positions sometimes where they want including a lunch lady, because she is in a place that overlooks the entire cafeteria, 
where there's a large gathering of students every day and where Columbine and other events have happened and they thought we need someone who's there during this entire process watching the whole thing, that would be a key person to arm. So we've got schools really thinking strategically about where they need someone, where would we, like Secret Service, they think about where they're going to put agents for the protective detail. Our schools are thinking about that now. So it increases the security in so many ways. So now we're getting a lot of people who have never shot a gun until usually in the last six to 12 months before we get them in one of our classes. The school asks them, they go home, they talk to their husband or wife and, hey, can we do this? What do you think? They agree to it. They go out and get, take a concealed handgun class. They buy their first gun. They buy a holster. They buy belts. They buy extra magazines. They buy a range membership. They buy a bunch of ammunition. They take a foundation class. They do all of this work before we ever see them in one of our uh, faster classes. So it's, uh, it's evolved in who it is. The training, uh, as you mentioned, it's mindset. Look, if we want to solve a problem, how about we start by studying it and understand it a little bit? That that's really should be where we start. So we spend some time on that and the, the history of active killers and some lessons we learned. We go over the lessons law enforcement has learned and the changes they've made to how they deal with this because we can learn from their experiences in 50 years. And then we talk about why this is gonna matter to the schools and how, how it will impact their decision-making as we go through this. A lot of times on the shooting, that of course gets all the attention. Guns are cool and sexy and controversial, so everybody focuses on that. Uh, arguably, really the least important part of the program. Uh, we want somebody to be a good shooter, but that's the least important skill, really, when it comes down to it. Mindset trumps everything else. You can be the best shooter and the best everything else, but if you don't have a proper mindset, it's not going to do you any good. Uh, like, like we've seen in other places, you stand outside and watch it happen if you don't have the mindset and wherewithal to go solve this problem. So, but then like techniques and how to do this and how to solve the problem. It's very different than shooting on a static range. So we have people shooting while moving and shooting around obstacles and shooting around no shoot targets. And so dealing with a system, like a, a situation that'll be common in school. So getting them used to that environment versus just on a static range. And then uh, we, we finish that up with force on force training, which like as an airline pilot, I train in flight simulators. They're really cool. They're incredibly realistic. Uh, they're very stressful sometimes, uh, but we learn a lot. And it's a safe place for me to develop my skills as a pilot. And the results are, wow, we perform pretty good on the things we get in the simulator. So it, we know it works and it's used in law enforcement and military and other stuff. All we're doing is putting our teachers through and, and administrators and other stuff through the same stuff. So we do that. And then the medical training also, because the reality is, most people shot in this country, 90% survive it, except for our people in our schools, because we let them bleed out and die. Mm. We don't think that's acceptable. We think schools should care for the people in their care. They have a legal and moral responsibility for it. They, they don't wait for somebody on a heart attack. They use the AEDs. They don't wait for somebody on anaphylactic shock. They use the epinephrine. And they shouldn't be waiting for people in an active killer. They should be responding to it. And they shouldn't be letting their kids bleed out and die like Jacob Hall did down in Townville. They should be applying medical care and helping them like they do on heart attacks and anaphylactic shock. There's no reason to not be doing this stuff. So it's an all-encompassing thing. And uh, it's a three-day class. And then we've got a level two that's a three-day class and a level three where we work with the district and other folks. So it's uh, we do the medical as a standalone because the schools need a lot more people trained in the medical than mm -hmm. they do in the shooting. 
98% of the time, you've only got one killer in the school. So, but once he's down, he's probably injured multiple people. Mm -hmm. And it's really helpful if you don't have more than one person mm -hmm. responding to a mass casualty event. So that way we can treat more people faster. Bottom line is we'll save more lives. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, I, I mean, really, that is what it comes down to. So you talked about basically situational awareness. You talk, because that's part of the mindset, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Kind of predetermining, you know, something doesn't feel right with this person or the way that they're acting, that sort of thing. And then you take us all the way to if somebody is horribly injured and this training, the uh, the trauma training, it could come into play in shop class if somebody, you know, lops off a thumb or something, right? So it, it can come into play in multiple ways. And it has in schools we've trained. Our, our first one, it was the day before school, not, not a life-threatening injury, but somebody, uh, one of the teachers responded and said, you know, he's helping set up class. A fellow teacher uh, had her like two or three-year-old child with her because it's the day before class, so she's with mm -hmm. her helping set stuff up. And the kid comes running in and jumps on a chair where somebody set a scissors down. Oh. And had a substantial stabbing in like the back of her leg buttocks area. And he, he said, she jumps up screaming, bleeding all over the place. And he's like, uh, uh, but he grabs his medical kit and treats this child before mom gets back in the room. And he says, the kid wasn't going to die from this, but it's, he says, this would have alarmed me before the training. And now I said, you know, it's cool. I, I have the ability to help this person. And mom was appreciative and it, we have a happy ending out of that. So, but we have also had, um, the tourniquets used where uh, and a girl put a hand through a glass, a severe cut on her bone, kind of filleted her arm off her bone. Uh, we had another one where a contractor cut his leg doing cement work. And uh, the teacher happened to be standing there watching him do the work. And it's like, oh, significant bleeding. Grabs a tourniquet on and saved the guy's life. So yeah, we have lives saved on school property with just the medical stuff through our program. Who wouldn't want that? I mean, seriously, to me, it's such a, a no-brainer. So how long have you been, how long has FASTER been around? How long has it been training uh, faculty and staff? We just finished up our seventh year. So we started right after the Sandy Hook massacre. And that, that was really the impetus that caused us to say, look, we have to do something. Do, having press conferences and talking and vigils isn't saving our kids' lives. We need to get our school staff with world-class trainers and get going on this. So we started back then, and today we've trained approximately 2,000 people, over 250 districts, um, and I think we're 19 or 20 different states now. Wow, 250 different districts. Yep. And, and not, not, not all of them have authorized. I know we've trained people from districts who didn't authorize, especially in the beginning, but now almost everybody we train is pre-authorized pending completing the class. And, and so it's, there's well over a hundred districts in Ohio uh, this morning or next week, whenever class starts up, that'll have armed security as part of the school safety plan. So I've seen on Facebook, there are some schools that have, they put up signs that basically say, we do have guns on this campus instead of those, you know, worthless gun-free zone signs. Um, are those something that all FASTER trainees put on their campuses as kind of a, a pre-warning to people? This is not the place to bring your nonsense? Or um, is that just school by school makes a decision like that? 
it's school by school and it's changing. The first couple of years, schools were very secretive about this and there was only a few schools doing it. They didn't want to stand out. They didn't want the attention. And so they didn't tell anybody. So then a few schools started telling people and it's funny. So, and they asked us, should we announce or should we not announce? And when we first started, we said, look, you can't unring a bell. I, you know, obviously it's helpful to us if you announce, but it's the program's not about us. It's about your school and your safety. If it creates a problem for you, let's test it out and see how it works first. Mm -hmm. So that's what a lot did. And it's funny because now when they announce after they've been doing it for a year or two, we've had multiple schools do this. They say, hey, this is something we've been doing. Now we want to make the community aware of this. It's gone really well. We're working with our law enforcement. A lot of good things have come out of it. It's almost universal support because parents see this as they're being responsible. We're not handing out guns like Pez dispensers. They are first selecting the right people and then they're putting them with qualified trainers and they're holding them to a higher standard than we do our law enforcement. I mean, who's not gonna be accepting of that? Well, unfortunately, there are people that they say, they, they will spring up like the straw man argument and they say, well, what if Mr. Smith who has now been, um, you know, deemed it's okay that he has a gun on campus. What if he goes off the rails or what if he accidentally, you know, discharges his firearm on campus? There's always these, these what if things that could maybe happen when to me that automatically falls away because we absolutely know what the bad guys are going to do. So let's meet that where it stands. But what have you had any of these, you know, things that people say are might happen? Uh, not with any of the schools that we have trained. Uh, you know, there are bad things that happen in schools. There are school staff that have brought guns to school and or, you know, other weird things. Uh, it hasn't resulted in the death of any of the students. But clearly not having armed staff there has resulted in the death of hundreds of students and contributing exactly. factors. So, like I always tell schools on it, look, all of that stuff could happen. We've, we can discuss hypotheticals all day, but at the end of the day, you have to make your policy. When, when this goes wrong in your school, you're going to get sued mm -hmm. and you're going to be on the witness stand. Mm -hmm. You want to testify that you set your policy based on a bunch of hypothetical situations that have never happened. Or do you want to testify that we set our policy based on really the unanimous advice of our nation's top experts on this topic? From the met mindset to the firearm stuff to the tactics to the training to the medical uh, trauma care across the board where are you looking for your advice and, and it's they don't know where to go for it as part of the problem and that's i mean i can feel for the school district that's behind because they don't know where to turn too many of them turn to the local police and sometimes police don't want to admit look we can't be there we can't do the job but if they're honest They'll tell the schools that. And we've had a lot of law enforcement say, look, yeah, we know we can't get there in time, but we don't think this is a good idea. And we ask them why, and we talk to them, and then we invite them out to the training. We said, tell you what, why don't you come take the training with the school staff? And I think 100% of the law enforcement that have come through our training at the end of it have said, wow, way different than what I thought I was going to get. Um, we had multiple law enforcement officers at the end of our training. Uh, two, I know two different officers combined over 40 years they uh, both said it was their first time they'd ever shot a perfect qual on their, their qualification was at the end of our training. 
Uh, they said they wish they'd have had this training, you know, at the beginning of their career. Uh, they wish they'd have gotten this as law enforcement. And they're like, hey, this school staff is, you know, shooting at a far higher standard than what our local, what our police do on the range. And, and it's funny, we just had a, a note from one of the trainers working with a school that just did its annual qual uh, for the fall. They, they got to shoot some once, some twice a year um, to qualify just like law enforcement. And law enforcement has been so impressed by the schools that they are changing their training because they're upset that their law enforcement officers are getting outshot by the school staff, but they're using it as motivation. Yes. And so this, the law enforcement officers now are wanting to up their game, wanting to be out shooting with the, with the teachers and improve their skills to be at the level that the school staff's carrying. So everybody wins in this. It starts out with some friction, but once they get to know each other, it makes the school staff better because they're, they're now they're training with their local law enforcement and they're getting things that, that we don't do in three days and they're building on their foundation that we set for them. And law enforcement's challenged to raise their game and now they're working together. And that's really the neatest part about this training is not the stopping of the act of killer, it's the preventing the act of killer because mm -hmm. we've got a relationship and now school feels comfortable going to law enforcement with, hey, we've got this concern. Can you look at this individual, whether it's, the guy out by the playground that just is not quite right, or it's a student that is saying or writing things that are inappropriate. We're getting schools and law enforcement working together years before the event might happen so that the event does never happen because we've got appropriate responses in the first place because there's relationships and knowledge and friendships there that we can use to get through difficult times instead of going, oh, I hope nothing happens out of this one and just go on with that until one day it does. And then we look back at events that we've seen lately and gone, why didn't somebody do anything? Well, because they never looked at this. They never were mature enough to start down this road, learn what happens and develop some policies and relationships to be in place. That's awesome. So do you know um, of any of the schools that Faster has trained, has there ever been like a mass killer attempt at any of those schools? Yes, there's there's been a couple that I know of that were in the planning stages. One was possibly imminent. It's funny, I got a I was in a in a insurance lie. I was in, I asked by an insurance company to come give a little talk on faster for liability. I said sure. So we do the talk. I was just a small segment of this day. So now we're in Q and A, and lots of people are asking questions about the schools and the this and this program. And somebody raised their hand and they go. This whole discussion is insane. Why are we spending time on something that is so rare and it's never going to happen? And somebody else in the audience goes, well, while we're in this lecture, four different Ohio schools have been on lockdown for an active killer threat. Oh my God. And he reads off the four. And one of them is from a school that we worked with. That I, the SRO came and said he was opposed to this, but his, his sheriff sent him to see what training was going on. So he came to see what we did so we can report back all the things we screw up. And I said, hey, I appreciate your candor. At the end of it, he went on media and she's like, I was wrong about everything. This, I'm telling my sheriff to go get every school in our county involved in this program, which they did. So that's the journey the sheriff uh, deputy took. Now as an SRO in the school. So I texted him right there and I said, hey, is everything okay? And he said, we're fine now, I'll call you tonight. So the bottom line was they had somebody come in who uh, he had a kid come up, the, the, the SRO had someone come up to him in school, one of the kids, and show him his cell phone and say, watch this. And it was a fellow student with a gun making a threat of killing another student. And he's got a post saying, don't go to school, 
today, I'm coming to shoot the place up. Mm -hmm. Now this is a few minutes before school starts. The buses are bringing kids into the kill zone and we don't know where the killer is. Mm -hmm. And the, what, the, what the SRO told me was, Jim, he goes, man, he goes, before this, we had no way to deal with this. He goes, but even in this horrible situation, I had a sense of calm because I knew you had trained enough of our school staff. He said, the average person looking would have no idea that anything unusual is going on. But I knew we had sentries at key points that were trained and ready to stop them. We didn't know where the killer was. We didn't know what guns he had. We didn't know what his plan is. We didn't know what door he was coming in. He goes, but what I knew was there wasn't going to be a mass killing in my school that day because we had the ability to stop whatever he was bringing. And he said, I cannot express to you my thanks and gratitude for how comforting we were during those minutes. Now, it ended up they were able to arrest this kid in his, in his home before he left for school. So the event never happened. But again, we don't want to... The, the ultimate goal is not some teacher shooting down a kid in the classroom. The yeah. ultimate goal is preventing this from ever making it to event day. And yes, we've had those at uh, schools. We've, and we've had a couple other interesting events. But um, And I hope that's all we ever get out of this. And the medical stuff. I hope that's all we ever get. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I hope I never get in another car accident. But I wear a seatbelt every day just in case. Right. Exactly. I, you know, it really... Like the more you talk, the more I think where, what is a, a true and logical pushback? Like I can't think of one that really makes any sense. No, it's really the people opposed to this. It's really based on ignorance and it's not, a lot of times it's not their fault. I mean, there's a world of information of topics that I'm ignorant about. I know nothing about. <laughs> the difference is I'm not out giving advice on those. So our school officials have a very difficult job. They're in a different world than they were 10, 20, 30 years ago. And all of their training deals with the day-to-day -day stuff on schools or athletics or all of this other stuff. We don't get into this stuff often enough and it doesn't happen to enough schools, thankfully, that this is presented in an everyday topic. So sometimes they just don't know where to go get in good information. So we try to provide that for them and help them out on that. And, and sometimes it's just based on preconceived notions that are wrong, like law enforcement. Law enforcement deals, when they deal with a concealed carry license holder, somebody carrying a gun, it's either a criminal or it's somebody who's broken some law to start this interaction in the first place. They're off, they deal with knuckleheads all the time. So that's how they look at people because that's who they work with. When they deal with the school staff and they see the dedication they put into this and how much effort they put in before the class, during the class, and the follow-up after the class, they're really touched. And as people ask me, how are you so passionate about this? I said, how, how could I not be? I get to work with people who are volunteering to spend their own money, their own time off, to get this training, to change their life, to become a professional with this stuff. And without it, they are literally willing to die for my kids. Mm -hmm. people, people I've never met would die for my children. How can I not? help them acquire the skills so that they win and live for my kid instead. Absolutely. And they comfort my kid and they treat my kid if they're injured and they hug the, their, my kid and they send them home like they do every other day of the school year. How can I not be touched by that person and help them out in that role? Wow. Uh, exactly. Um, I, do, do you notice that when, like recently we had what, two or three uh, of these mass killer events come up 
There was the Gilroy Garlic Festival. There was um, El Paso in a mall and Ohio, uh, just out in front of a bar. So these weren't school related. But do you notice that when these things happen, do people tend to start ringing your phone? Or do you notice that people get, you know, because of all the rhetoric about guns are bad and we need more gun control and all that kind of stuff, do you find that, that people pull away? It's, it's a little bit of each. We see in the political world, in the media, definitely, you know, these cries for gun control and, you know, do something and this sort of stuff. But on the undercurrent, yeah, we get schools go, wow, if that would have happened here, we don't, we're not prepared. We looked at this several years ago and then we thought about it. We never came back to it. We never made a decision. We never did anything. And that starts haunting them. And they contact us and say, hey, can, can we get some more information on this again? And so that happens. Now, these events haven't prompted a huge response, I think, because they weren't schools. When Parkland happened uh, a year and a half ago, swamped. We were absolutely overwhelmed in a month. Uh, our whole season, our classes just filled up within a couple weeks for the entire year because schools realize it. And we've had incidents in Ohio where, you know, we've had a district tell us, look, we are never, ever going to do that. We don't need that. Well, then a couple years later, they have a kid bring a gun to school. It discharges. They realize, they call law enforcement who promise they're going to be there in three minutes. And it turns out it takes them 20 minutes to get there. And everyone is panicked. And it seems like three days. And all of a sudden they realize, wow, our, our plan is completely unmanageable. What if this kid, instead of just being stupid, was evil? Yeah. What if this kid was intent on hurting someone instead of just showing off and, and, and being stupid? And they realize they're not at all prepared. They don't have anything. And it scares them. And we, we've, I've had multiple districts call me back and go, can, can we talk again? We're interested now. <laughs> or, or the district, neighboring district has an incident happen. Yeah. And they're like, whoa, they responded okay. And we've got nothing. We realize they have armed staff and how well that could have played in. And simple things, just like, you have a, a custody dispute in a school. Schools have that every day. It's dozens of schools, maybe hundreds of schools across our country. You have an angry parent with a custody dispute and a child. Schools have got to deal with this mess. Yeah. Almost all the time, it's an angry parent who really wants their kid, mm -hmm. but is never going to hurt anybody. Right. But, but what happens when that turns violent? Right. Are you prepared? Do you have, do you have things in place? to protect your staff and your students when when that's gonna happen. Can you think of, um, you know, if somebody out there is listening and they're thinking, I really wish my school would have this, but maybe I live in a state where guns are bad, right? California or New York or something like that. Um, really even here in Arizona, what can parents do to impress upon the school, is it the individual school? Is it the district? Um, like, is it, is it different in each state? Like, what can you tell me about that? Like, what can I do as an individual citizen to go to my granddaughter's school and say, what training do you have? Or what are you planning to do? What power do I have? Usually it's the decisions are made district by district. So, and that applies whether it's a public school or charter schools or parochial schools. There, there's a district either school board or charter board or uh, administrators that are in charge of that entire district. I tell people, look, the first question to ask is, 
do you have tourniquets and people trained to use them? Because if the answer to that is no, your school's way behind. Mm -hmm. I, I would even say negligent. It, pull up it is for people want to understand. And well, since I've mentioned tourniquets a couple times, everybody, we were all taught if you put on a tourniquet, it's, you're going to cause a loss of limb. It saves the life, but you lose the limb. It's a myth. You don't lose the limb. Put the tourniquets on. It, it's global war on terror 15 years. We've got a lot of science. It's a myth. We're not sure where it came from. Get rid of it. It's bad information. So tourniquets. If schools don't have tourniquets, they're negligent. They've got to have them. To drive that point home, go it on YouTube. And, and the whole 911 tape's not there uncut. I wish it was. But there's about a four. You can still find it. Put in uh, 911, Jacob Hall, Townville. And, and you'll listen to school staff on the phone with 911 operator, dispatcher, pleading for help as they're holding this little boy that they obviously love. They're crying, begging for help. Mm. And the dispatcher's like, they're coming as quickly as they can. They're on their way. They're coming as quickly as they can. There's no possible way to get the ambulance staff there in time to save this little boy's life. And he's mm. dead. He bleeds out and dies. Mm. And they're putting AED pads on this little boy. No. because they've got AED pads in the school and they're trained how to use them. So they do what they are trained to do with the equipment they have, mm -hmm. but it's not the right thing for this little boy. What he needed was a tourniquet. They didn't have one. They didn't have any training on it. And it, I'm not blaming the school staff. I mean, they, they, wow. how, what a horrible thing to have a little child who you love die in your arms, but shame on the school district for not getting them training. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? I'll, I'll give them a pass because we didn't know it. But we had that event now. The mm -hmm. entire nation heard about it when it happened. It was the little boy who was a super boy, uh, Superman. He was buried in a Superman cape costume because mm -hmm. he loved him so much. What a horrible thing. We can all learn from that. If we can learn and watch the news on that, then we can do something about it. Get the medical equipment and training in the schools. Everybody's got to have it. So, mm -hmm. and then past that, you know, what are you doing? Like schools go, oh, we've got panic buttons and we've got apps and we've got cameras and law enforcement can watch live footage of our schools now. I'm like, great. What, is, what do you have to stop the person walking down the hallway about to enter your classroom and kill an entire classroom of kids? Because mm. the cameras aren't going to do it. Right. We can watch later on and have a great timeline of them killing your kids. Right. What do you have to stop the killing of your kids? Right. And, it's, and, it's, and it's funny because they've done all of these other things but they don't have something to stop that. They're just hoping everything else stops it. And it's like, it's like having great uh, brakes in my car and good tires on my car and great everything else on my car, but I don't put on a seatbelt because I think I'm never gonna get in an accident because I did everything else right. I don't drive drunk. I don't do things wrong. I don't speed, so I don't need a seatbelt. Well, man, I wish the world worked that way. I'd be a lot safer, but it doesn't. And it doesn't on the road and it doesn't in the schools. So, Schools have got to address the fact that the worlds have changed and they have a legal and moral responsibility for the safety of their staff and their students, just like I do for my crew and my passengers on the airplane. And there's not an asterisk that says, oh, unless I have an engine failure, then I, then I don't have to keep them safe. No, no matter what happens, it's my duty to return those people safely to the ground. And it's the school staff, it's the school's responsibility, no matter what happens, to safely return those kids to their parents or guardians at the end of the day. They need to be doing that and taking that role very seriously. And sometimes it's just an education thing. So like we have a white paper at our, our fastersaveslives.org. People can go read it and download it and print it for their schools. But it's really, it's an educational thing and it's not about guns. The gun is, the gun is a piece of it, but 
you know, it goes back to the mindset. Schools have to take this seriously and, and go do it. And the other thing, I know sometimes they get misled. I know a, a quote unquote national expert on school safety and, and he infuriates me because he goes out and he talks about this stuff and he gives horrible advice. And, and when I met him, I was all excited. Mm. And in under a minute, I realized he doesn't even know the first thing. He doesn't understand anything about these events. He's busy making money off of it, but he's never spent the time to study the event, to train with our experts, to learn from a hundred events on how they play out and how we can react to this and how we can stop it. What's important? Time. It's my, it's my bracelet. Time is all that matters. I never take this thing off. It's a constant reminder of what is important in these school killings or any mass killing, whether it's a church or a shopping mall anywhere. Absolutely. Well, I know we've got to wrap up, uh, but I wanted to kind of brag a little bit that you will be coming out here to Arizona to be part of this event. It is the Safe Schools and Healthy Students Seminar. We're going to have a talk by Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman to kind of start the day. He tells folks, how do these people end up getting off the rails in the first place? And then you're going to step in and say, you know, the fact is that some people do get off the rails and here's what you can do about it. And it's called Faster Saves Lives Training. And that is on Saturday, September 14th at the Sheraton Crescent Hotel Ballroom here in Phoenix, Arizona. It's an all day event from 8 to 5 p.m. Everybody can find out more on actually your guest page at gunfreedomradio.com. I'll put a link there. There's a Facebook page called uh, Safe Schools and Healthy Students Seminar. You can also go to the AZCDL, A-Z-C-D-L webpage, uh, .org webpage, and uh, find out more about that and get your ticket bought. That is in the year 2019. I like to say that because people listen to these sometimes years later. Um, and just before I let you go, thank you again, Jim, so much. And how can folks find out more about the work that you're doing there in Ohio? FasterSavesLives.org. And for anybody, anybody who carries a gun, uh, law enforcement or civilian, go see Dave Grossman. If you live with somebody who carries a gun, even if you have nothing to do with it, go see Dave Grossman. He is an awesome public speaker. I highly recommend him. I, I've seen him probably a dozen times. I learn something new every time. He will help, even if you don't ever want to carry a gun, he'll help you understand why people do. And if it's somebody you love and you, they get involved in something, it literally can be the difference between tearing your marriage apart and you being the rock that holds things together after the worst event of your life. He is that powerful. He's that knowledgeable. He is just, he's an awesome asset for our country and has pioneered entire fields on this stuff, saved so many lives. Uh, on the mental health side, just from understanding the stuff. If you carry a gun, you owe it to yourself to go hear this guy. He's awesome. Absolutely. Thank you again so much. That is FasterSavesLives.org. Jim Irvine, thank you so much for being here with us today. Cheryl, it's a pleasure being on with you. I look forward to seeing you soon. Awesome. That'll be great. All right, stick around. Always a lot more coming up on Gun Freedom Radio.